Before we have a special episode with actor and Leica photographer, Jeff Garland, just to remind you, at the end of this episode, we're going to tell you all about the B&H Photography Podcast Leica Photo Challenge. This is an opportunity to win a $5,000 Leica Q2 digital camera. We'll have all of the details at the end of this episode. Stay tuned. But first, Jeff Garland. You're listening to the B&H Photography Podcast. For over 40 years, B&H has been the professional source for photography, video, audio, and more. For your favorite gear, news, and reviews, visit us at bnh.com or download the B&H app to your iPhone or Android device. Now here's your host, Alan Weitz. Greetings and welcome to the B&H Photography Podcast. Today we welcome comedian, actor, producer, and photographer Jeff Garland. As many of you know, Jeff is well recognized from the television shows The Goldbergs and Curb Your Enthusiasm. He's also appeared in numerous films and he is also a talented photographer. Today we're going to be speaking about his recent series, A Big Bowl of Wonderful, which was featured at the Leica Gallery LA early this year, and about his shooting style, his choice of Leica as his go-to gear, and his role as executive producer of the photography documentary Finding Vivian Mayer. Welcome to the show, Jeff. Pleasure to have you here. It is an honor, and uh, I enjoy your broadcasting voice. Oh, thank you. Okay, we'll have to talk after the show. (laughs) You've been shooting for about 15 years now, and you started with Nikon, you tried uh, Micro Four Thirds, and now you're into Leica. And we'll come back to that later, but what got you into taking pictures in the first place? Because you obviously have a real passion for this. What got me into it in the first place? I would say I was just inspired by Alfred Eisenstadt and uh, Jim Marshall and Brisson. And I would have photography books. And then one day I said, I'm just going to start taking pictures, not thinking that it would be anything that I would show outside of my family, you know. And then um, it just sort of took off from there over time. I, I I really had no intention of being, you know, uh, uh, people buying prints of mine. When you did start, what were you shooting? Was it just kind of around the house? It was around the house. Uh, I remember my favorite camera early on was a D700. I, I love that with a uh, 50 millimeter 1.4. And that one I discovered filming an episode of Entourage, the set photographer had a D700 and she showed me, I thought, oh, that's my next camera. When did you grab the first film camera? Or My first camera was a film camera. It was a uh, Nikon uh, F100. And you want to walk us a little bit how you got to Leica? Well, uh, it was seeing Leica come up in uh, stuff I was reading about Brisson, Jim Marshall, Alfred Eisenstadt. And I'm like, oh, what is this? My first Leica was an M3 with a 50 Sumicron, an older Sumicron lens. That was the first one. But the first six months of shooting it, I didn't have a clue, you know, because that's you're going completely manual, you know. And I photography with that camera. Yes. And so I relied heavily on uh, the the director of photography on Curb Your Enthusiasm, who understood how to use it, I would look to him all the time for my settings as I figured out. And a lot of F8 and B there, you know. 
exactly. Now you still shoot film as well as digital. What's the percentage of, of film and digital and why would you shoot one over the other? That's something, that's a conversation that I'm having with myself right now because I have a uh, 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 Leica MP, which is a, to me, a perfect camera. Um, and, and it's black paint, which I love. And permanently on there, I have a 35 Summicron. My favorite length is 35. That's what I've mm-hmm. jumped into. And here's the thing. I, I really have a strong opinion about this, which is good for the show. Um, shooting, everyone says you shoot film, you you slow down, you think about what you're shooting. Well, There is no difference, except that I have to wind a little bit, between the way I approach film and digital. When I shoot digital, I don't look at my cards for weeks, weeks. Uh, So I'm slow. So is the reason everybody's so slow and thoughtful is because film's expensive? Because I still approach it the same way. I don't shoot rapid fire. I take my time, uh, think about what I want to shoot when I want to shoot it. And um, so what comes out with the grain and that look of film, black and white and color too. I don't, I'm not a big color film shooter, but when I shoot Tri-X, it's a certain look that I do prefer over digital. And I don't like spending a year in Lightroom. I don't even know what I'm doing in Lightroom. I hired, I hired somebody. Uh, <laughs> <Me neither. laughs> uh, I hired somebody to help me curate the show and put it together and do the Lightroom work. Uh, an assistant, uh, Sam, who who still will work for me when I do something next. Um, but I I really am now thinking about not shooting film anymore. On that topic, I got to ask you something because we're, we're parallel in certain ways. You you, you have a black uh, yes. uh, MP film camera. I have two MPs. I'm worse than you. I, I have a, a chrome a la carte with blue leather on it. I just saw it and fell in love. And I have a hammer tone. And oh, what are you doing? Do you want people to, to stare at you? You know, it's like, you know, well, you know, it's something you don't want to switch lenses. Uh, but I also, I, I, I fell into the same trap that you have fallen into. Apparently I have a monochrome. Now, mind you, I had to sell two grandkids and a kidney to get this. I, I appreciate that. Right. And by the way, when I first started in Leica, there was not a lot of money flowing through my pocket. Uh-huh. And by the way, up. I do a lot of stuff with Leica. I get nothing for free. Do you know, I would say at least a third, at least a third of my camera equipment, maybe even half has been bought at B&H. So I'm like, <laughs> you know, I'm just like everybody else. Like, wow, how much is that? <laughs> well, there's a special yeah. place in heaven for you. I want you to know that. But here's the question I have for you now. You've been shooting film mm-hmm. and you obviously love film. And, and so do I. I learned on, on, on film cameras. I learned on a four by five camera zillions of years ago. And I went through all the formats. And now I was shooting color for a million years, went back to shooting digital and 99% of the color went back to shooting black and white a couple of years ago, medium format and 35. And then about five or six months ago, the monochrome came out and I had a test drive on it and I just said, I have to have one. And I too, I mean, again, I, I went and bought my own gear, but this camera is making me look at a lot of things differently because I have the image quality of not only medium format, but even approaching larger format. Yeah. I have flexibility of 35. And if I put on a tripod and work slowly, I can get magnificent results 
without having to carry a lot of weight on my shoulders. Is this camera change you too? Completely, because what it's making me do, I, I swear, I'm not exact. So coming up, there's a, there's a, I shared my show in LA with Alan Schaller. Do you guys know who yep, that is? Yep. Alan's great and a great guy. And he uses only the monochrome and a 24 millimeter. That's his getup. And I've been thinking, I'm not even exaggerating, of selling all my equipment, which is a lot of equipment, and just using the monochrome and a 35 Sumalux. And that's it. And, it. and only that camera has made me go completely in that direction. Like, what else do I need? Nothing. <laughs> it's it's so good to hear you saying this because I was starting to question my sanity. Okay, so yeah. that, there's two oh, of us Oh, by then. the way, actually, everyone I know, every <laughs> photographer I know who has that camera, it has really... Uh, mess them up in the in the <laughs> perfection and simplicity of it and you know it's yep. like uh, yeah it's perfect and it's simple it's like everything you dreamed that you wanted in a monochrome camera uh from leica because the m240 and the m9 monochrome yes they were pretty special but not like this this is actual sim perfect simplicity I want to ask about the, that photo you took of Larry David uh, in a car, I think it was in New York. And I, I heard that you, you'd switch oh. that from color to black and white. Yeah. And also that black and white kind of simplifies your decisions. You want to speak about that a little Most bit? Most definitely. When I shoot on, on any set, on any movie or TV show I'm in, I constantly have a camera. And so Larry's used to it. And he doesn't think anything of it. So we're in a, uh, a scene in a car and... Um, I'm just, I got my 35 and probably in a, it was an M240, I'm guessing. Anyhow, we're, uh, um, you know, in the car for three hours. I have the camera below me. I start taking pictures. Now, I took this picture. It was the first picture I ever, like, displayed in a show. It was a, it was a for charity at Leica. And I, and I submitted, someone bought it. I only put up, you know, everyone put up one picture and it was color. Now, in the picture that was color, uh, you focused outside of Larry's window is a car and it's gold. It's really gold. And there's also a policewoman standing there. In the color, you really paid attention to Larry, yes, but both of them. And then I only thought afterwards, wow, that's so much better. That would be so much better in black and white. And I converted it to black and white, and it was perfection. You noticed the car, you noticed the policewoman, but everything was about Larry David uh, backing up. And so, yes. However, there is there is a, a picture in my show, and only one. There's a few other color ones, but there's only one that it's of um, a fella who's dressed like Jesus. Uh, at the comedy store mm -hmm. in the hallway. And it is so beautiful in color. And the color like makes it warm. Like everything about it is perfect for color. Well, that's the only one in my entire show that wasn't black and white or wouldn't have been better in black and white. And, and when you're, can you kind of change the way you see if you, if you know you're going to be shooting black and white, let's say you have the monochrome or film camera, do you see in shadows and, nope, and tones? I don't or, think about any of that. 
I think about, I, I swear to God, it, when I shoot, it's only about, oh, that's interesting. And then the only concern I have is making sure I have nice framing. That's it. Yeah, that's something that comes up a lot. You, you mentioned that all about composition, which is important. Do you find it easy with the Leica as opposed to a DSLR? Because I go back and well, forth on that. What's your it's thought just, on that? It's just a different way of, of uh, thinking. I mean, the, shooting with a Leica is so much more active. And, and it feels, I feel part of a process. Whereas if I lift up a, a DA-10, great camera, you know, and push my finger down, it's done. And it's great. And it might be as good as the other. So for me, when I shoot, it's all about the joy of the process. It's not about, because I, ne I never had a show before. I I'm not thinking about, well, you know, I, I don't care what the process is because it's just about selling the picture or getting the good shot. No, I enjoy the process of Leica. So if you like lifting it to your eye and pressing, have a great time. And by the way, nothing wrong with that. I have a, I have a Leica Q, which is, uh, I have, I use, I've never even used it with manual focus. I only shoot it with uh, uh, autofocus. So it's really great. And I do get joy out of that, but not like I get from shooting an M. I understand. To shift the conversation just a bit, yeah, you yes. photograph a lot of people on set uh, and you have a lot of great photographs of people. You go onto a show, you take the camera with you. And if they say you can't take the camera, you tell them where to go from what I understand. Well, that's that's generally when I go on someone else's show or a talk right. show. They, they tell me uh, you can't use your camera. And I say, well, then you know what's beautiful? Uh, you won't have to deal with me. I'm going to leave. <laughs> and... Uh, and my camera goes with me everywhere. That's perfect. So here's a question for you. You like getting people, you talk about getting that, uh, getting people to put into their act a little bit, a little of their personality, their character, what you call yeah. that extra little 10%, but not much yeah. more because then it becomes hammy. Do you also try to capture people just as themselves in that reflective moments? By the way, I only try and capture people as themselves in self-reflective moments. When that little spin is put on is just something that certain performers feel the need to do. And it's all based on their comfort level as people and um, how well they know me. And uh, that's always the, the, uh, the back and forth. But I don't want, if I have my druthers all the time, I don't want anyone doing anything. I want to just capture them in private reflective moments. You know, actually, I wanted to follow up on that. I had a question about that. Let's say, you know, hypothetical, you, you, you're, you, you see that nice reflective moment backstage or wherever, and then someone gives you a look, it might be a great look, but you were really hoping for that other thing. Do you, does that bother you at all? No, 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 no. It is what it is. It is what it is. I'm an improviser. I just deal with the moment. And really, um, I, I don't, they don't do the, they don't make the pose before I've taken the picture. My, the camera's up at my eye and I'm setting the composition and I press down. That's whatever the moment is. If they're making a face before I even lift the camera or when I've just lifted the camera, it's going to be a terrible picture. And I might just what I'll do is 
and I've done this is, yeah, I'll take pictures or pretend I'm taking pictures. And then the minute they let their guard down, I snap a few. Uh uh-huh. that that gets me to something I was curious about. We recent uh, uh recently we had Greg Gorman on a, uh, our show and he's photographed famous people forever. And he came out an interesting comment. He said that most actors and actresses a lot of them are not comfortable in front of the camera if they're not in character. They don't know what to do with themselves. They're more comfortable if they could be this characterization. Do you find that too? I mean, do you like capturing people just totally out of character or do you just you just let them go where they See, are? See, I let them go where they are because I'm not thinking about them in character, comfort, this, that. I don't think. I just, I mean, I obviously I'm thinking my brain's working, but it's like, <laughs> I want I want a picture of them right now. Boom, I'm taking the picture. And I get what I get. And like I if they give me too much, I do wait until they're done with their little show. But here's the thing. I'm gonna let you in on a secret. In general, comedians are very bright people. Very bright people. Um, actors, not so much. Actors, you can be dumb as I'm not gonna say names. But you can be, you can. It's just us. You, you can mention yeah. it. It's just us. No, but you can be dumb as a rock and be a great actor. You can't be dumb as a rock and be a great comedian. It just doesn't go. So um, generally, uh, like when you, like when an actor, that's why actors to me in general, with very few exceptions, are the worst guests on a talk show. Because they've already been with the producer, worked out everything. Here's a story. Here's this. Because they don't know how to just be and riff. And whereas comedians, some comedians like having it all planned out. Um, I know for myself, I'll do a courtesy uh, pre-interview with someone from a talk show, but I don't talk for more than, you know, less than five minutes. And I say, I don't want to know. And and also, I don't want to know what they're going to ask me. I want to know nothing because I know I'll be in the moment and I'll be funny and, and interesting because that's what I do. But yes, most actors, they do put on a thing because they got nothing underneath. <laughs> I wanted to follow up a little bit about this idea of being comfortable. And, and uh, I mean, was there a learning curve for you? I mean, when, when you first brought that camera to your eye? And- Most definitely. No, it's, it's, of course, it's like, that's why, you know, my hit rate improved over the years because I learned what I was doing. I mean, early on, I mean, with my D700, I'm taking pictures and all I'm trying to do is figure out how to get bokeh. You know what I mean? Like, how do I get her head there and have everything like stuff like that, you know, and that's with an autofocus camera. So, yeah, I mean, that's okay. So here I am with my first show this past year. And prior to that show, I would say, and I'm not exaggerating, less than a handful of people had ever seen my photography. So, I respected the learning curve. I respected it's going to take me a long time to get to a place that I would even remotely feel comfortable with someone looking at my work. Because like if I could have done my first 10 years of stand-up comedy and developed the way I developed and no one ever saw me, what a treat. If I could, if there was a way of doing that in comedy, there's not, you have to learn in front of an audience. Me, I take pictures and 
If it doesn't work out, only I know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But even with, even with that idea of being comfortable, I mean, did you ever lift that camera to your eye at the beginning and then put it away a little bit of shy? Oh, not, not oh, oh, oh. Identify yourself as a photographer? Number one, um, the shyness, which you say that and you think, here I am, this gregarious comedian guy. Man, I was so awkward in taking anyone's picture. I wanted to ask permission. I wanted to have a signed permission just emotionally. I, of course, I was very shy and, 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 and not confident at all. Everything for me is about confidence. Like I'm not even completely sure how good a photographer I am, even though I just had a show and, um, people told me a lot of people bought my prints. But to me, you get confident over uh, time. And it's comedy and photography, there's no ego for me, none. That's great. What have you learned maybe from being photographed? I mean, have have you watched other photographers and say, that's not what I want to do? Yes, yes. There are photographers that I have dealt with that want you to know they're there. And it's like, Oh no. And then they, they'll push for like faces and reactions. It's like everything that I learned about shooting people, I would say, because well, actually I learned a lot because it's me shooting them and there is a unique relationship that way. But I learned what not to do from photographers who were way, way, way too active. And by the way, that also goes with um, the reason I like shooting a monochrome is it's so discreet. Discreetness is everything. And I love street photography. The unfortunate thing for me is I get recognized, but I love, I love, uh, street photography. And then there's the reverse. Let me even go into another area. I purposely sign my photos on the back. Um, I saw, I have some Mary Ellen, Mary Ellen Mark. I have a couple of her prints signed the back. Uh, Brisson was a back guy. I don't want, I, I don't want anything to interfere. By the way, I have, I have a lot of photography hanging in my house and some of it signed in the front by people I love. So it doesn't ruin it for me. It's just a choice that I made. A guy took a beautiful picture of me at, at, um, my opening night. He came later to one of my talks at the Leica Gallery and gave me the photo. Now, mind you, it's an eight and a half by 11. His signature was almost as big as the picture. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, I would never, I, I, I will never hang up this picture. I, as a matter of fact, I kind of want to give it to someone. Uh, I don't, I feel bad throwing it away, but it like it ruined the picture for me. So I think any attention to a photographer on the front end taking the picture or the back end too much because we're talking about a picture and you should remove, unless the self-portrait is part of it, you should remove yourself in all ways from the photo to me. Hmm. Yeah, I like that idea. I mean, have you... I, I think a lot of us have kind of gone through that whole exact same kind of decision-making process. I, I certainly remember thinking, do I sign the front? Do I sign the back? Do people care who, who really took the picture? You know, those kind of issues. And uh, it sounds a little bit like, you know, photography offers you a, a little bit of a way to 
to be anonymous, you know, without a doubt. Oh my God. It's that's what's thrilling. Some, you know, numerous people told me the only thing disappointing about my photo show was that I wasn't in it. Hmm. And I'm like, what kind of idiot would I be shooting myself? (laughs) I understand, by the way, I produced the Vivian Meyer movie and I have one of her self portraits. I'm actually looking at it right now in a weight machine. You know, one of those weight machines you put the quarter in and there's a mirror and she took, uh, this is from the forties, I think, or fifties. And she took a a self portrait, but you don't really see her face. The camera's in front of her face, Mm -hmm. but I love that. That's fine. But what kind of idiot? has a lot of pictures. I understand, by the way, someone going, like, uh, what's-his-name's got a book of self-portraits, but they're not, like, vain self-portraits. Right, right. I'll take Cindy Sherman. No, it's Lee Lee Freelander. I have that book. Yep. Yeah, that's a great book. And it sounds like, you know, you're going to have to get used to talking about your photography. It sounds like you don't really like to talk too much about it. Well, I don't. Here's the thing about... Here's the thing about comedy as well as my photography. You you may, while we're here, ask me a question where I'll say I don't want to talk about that because that'll get me into my head too much. As an actor, as a stand-up, as a photographer, I am all about trusting my instincts and my gut in a situation and being present, which is important in all of them. When I do stand-up, I mean, I'm in... I'm in control, but I'm not. The audience is in control. So the way I perform is based on what the audience gives me. Same with taking a photo. You know, it's it's a give and take. And so I don't want to be thinking at any point too much about certain things. All right. We're going to take a short break to uh, go feed the pigeons. And we're going to be back again with Jeff Garland. Stay tuned. We hope you're enjoying this edition of the B&H Photography Podcast. The best way to support the show is by subscribing on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. For links to gear and more information on today's guests, check out the show notes in your podcast app or visit our homepage on the B&H Explorer website and join the B&H Photography Podcast Facebook group. And now back to the show. Okay, we are back. Jeff, I have a question for you. You, you mentioned framing a lot and, and the importance of composition. Um, if you could talk a little bit about that, and also I'll tack another question onto that. Do you ever crop your pictures? Nope. I, I never I never crop. It's minimal post-processing. I don't use lights. I don't use a flash. Uh, everything is about natural lighting. Or when I'm on set, there's already lighting, which is great. Um, I'm not going to argue with beautiful lighting on, on actors or crew members. I'm all good with that. But no, and I don't crop. I never, ever crop. It's just who I learned from, the masters, you know? They never cropped. I mean, they might have, you know, but not. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? If you don't see the contact sheets, you don't know. Yeah, but, but I got to tell you, most of my heroes, I've got books of their contact sheets. So, yeah. and Vivian Mayer, I, uh, I've seen all her contact sheets. And by the way, the thing that was amazing about Vivian Mayer, uh, um, um, over any photographer, including the best of all time, is her hit rate. When you see her contact sheets, these amazing pictures that she took were one of one. 
<laughs> and on a page of 24, 36, whatever it was, there are at least, I'll tell you what, her worst contact sheet, half of them you'd want hanging in your house. It's nuts. It's nuts. And by the way, it's higher than that. That's the lowest percentage is half of them. It's crazy. Wow. And when when you shoot film, do you get contact sheets? Do you look at them through a loop or you just go right to a, a scan? And, and I, uh, I've gotten contact sheets, uh, but I think that the best way uh, for me is to get uh, small prints to look at them. So mm -hmm. I look at, I have to have it printed and I look at the prints and that tells me the story. And then I will, I will, you know, put it into digital because I'll scan it. Right. What would, what would you call your success rate on, on when you're shooting? If I may ask, in other words, you, you mentioned that Vivian Mayer, like she was like nailing it every single shot. If you were to take say a hundred photographs or, or, or 20 pictures, how many of those on average would you okay. make you happy? I would say, Per contact sheet, one picture makes me happy. And per a half dozen contact sheets, one of them is actually something worthy of someone else seeing. So how's, so how's that? So how's that for me compared to Vivian Mayer? I'm one a page would make me happy. And then six contact sheets, uh, one of those shots I'd actually want to show to somebody. Yes, but you have to think of the reverse of that. Look at it through her eyes. She might say, look at this. I got so much printing to do. But Jeff, one picture on a roll of film and he's good. Me, I'm going to be up all night printing. Well, Him, he's going to get sleep no, tonight. No, I don't you look, look at it that, that way because Vivian Mayer took her stuff to a photography store and had it printed. So she was not up all night and she was a nanny who took pictures who didn't know that she was a genius. Or maybe she did. She was mentally ill. That was the problem with her. What's the actual story of that? No, she was definitely way over on the spectrum, like way over. And um, she had trouble coping. She had coping problems and she was a hoarder, um, hoard news, hoard newspapers. And I mean, really, she was I mean, one of my favorite things was the kids were late to school uh, that she was in care for. She stopped the milk truck had them get in the milk truck and she rode on the back of the milk truck to school to make sure they got there. Like, that's crazy. She also pretended she was a spy and, you know, she wasn't warm and friendly. So, you know, I've seen a couple of the photos you took uh, of performers on stage. And, and then, of course, there's several of people backstage or, or in more of a calmer moment. Do you kind of flex different muscles when you're, when you're there? Because, you know, getting that, that, in the moment shot of somebody like there's one of yeah. John Mulaney I saw uh, that I thought was great on stage. How do you feel about that? I'll tell you the answer. The answer is there is no difference between standing in the dark behind a piano, behind a curtain, getting a shot of John Mulaney than there is to sitting with John Mulaney in the dressing room and taking a picture of him. My approach is exactly the same. Exactly. Get the framing. Mm. And and do you would you shoot more or less? You think if you're in in, in that stage I, type of setting, I shoot more when I'm shooting people on stage than I do, and that's a that's mostly because um, I have a sense of what I've got when I shoot in a dressing room or backstage, and when they're on stage, I'm not really sure. 
So it's more of not being sure. Any chance that you ever compare notes with Jeff Bridges because he has a kind of a, a aesthetic similar to you? He has a wide lux. I actually have one of his photos hanging in my house. Um, from ah, you know, okay. <laughs> his last book that just came out, uh, Book Soup, the uh, great bookstore here in Los Angeles. I um, I did an interview with him for the public a conversation, and I've, I know him. I mean, we're not friends; we're acquaintances. But I knew him before that. But yes, I talked to him about photography in the moment. But he also shoots like I do in terms of he's not thinking. He's like, oh, it's all he's like, like I, he feels. The yeah, picture. he's like, oh, I'm bored here. Oh, where's my camera? Boom, you know. <laughs> kind of getting back to this idea of of you know shooting when you get the when the feeling strikes you. Do you find that your your first image is often the yes, the without a doubt. I would say seventy five percent of the time, the first shot. I'll even go higher. Ninety percent of the time, the first shot is the best shot. Yeah. It's a lack of confidence that makes – so if I'm shooting Jeff Bridges, which he, one of a shot of him from the night that we had our conversation is in my show. And um, I think I shot three, maybe four of him. And uh, I, I got to tell you, I would have stopped after one if I knew what I was doing. I mean, I, you know what I mean? If I felt that <laughs> confidence, which mm -hmm. I'm working towards. Now, you, I also heard you mention that you don't always have a camera with you, that you can go for weeks on end and not okay, have a camera yes, and it's well, okay with you. No exaggeration. Since my show went up, I've not taken a picture. I've not Because also I've not done much stand-up. And obviously since the pandemic, not taking pictures because I, I have a friend, uh, uh, Pam, Pamela Sisson. She's on uh, Instagram, Pamela Sisson. She is taking, she lives downtown LA. She is taking the most beautiful shots of downtown Los Angeles where there's nobody. Uh, people said you probably can, and I've had people say this to me, you probably can take great pictures of, you know, quietness. But that's not my interest. That's not what I'm good at. I'm good at people and exchanging with people. So, but for me, just like stand-up photography is something that is creative. Therefore, in order for me to take pictures, I got to feel loose and creative. And I, I'm not right now. I'm ready to go. Um, but I needed to take a, a good month or two to rest after Curb Your Enthusiasm, the Goldbergs, my photo show, and my uh, stand-up special on Netflix, which just came out, Our Man in Chicago. I was burnt. And when I have no energy, I don't want to be taking a picture. So I'm not taking a picture because it's my job. I'm not taking a picture because it's a need. I'm taking a picture because it brings me joy and I want to take a picture. What about pictures of like your family and your kids and, and just kind of around the house? Do you, I mean, did that, do you apply kind of the same method that you, you do when you're shooting more seriously, quote unquote? Yeah. Yeah. You know, it, it, when I shoot my family, it's because I'm inspired. Um, I'm not, my boys are 20 and 24. I have lots of pictures, of them, but I got to tell you, the only person, uh, I'm divorced now, but I'm very close with my ex. She's never liked me taking your picture. My older boy, who's 24, has never liked it. My 21, my 20 year old, who's kind of like my muse, I love, I have so many pictures of him 
I, I, he loves having his picture taken and he's not a vain dude and he's not a dude. He's very shy, but he's some, for whatever reason, he is comfortable with me taking pictures and I have some beautiful photos of him and I've got great photos of my ex and my older boy, but it's all about inspired then, you know, certainly when children are little, you're taking every picture of everything and it's not because it's creative. It's because you just want that. That that that. So, yeah, I uh, I heard that you you're a big fan of Jim Marshall's work, and we had uh, you know his very his, much so his former assistant and who who now runs his archive on our show, and 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 there's this great new documentary out about him. Yeah, they interviewed me for the documentary, oh, yeah. but I didn't make the oh, cut. I got to thank okay. you. Oh, I got to thank yeah. you, which is cool. Um, Could you send us the piece they didn't I, put in? We'd love to see it. <laughs> I, I don't know what they did, but by the way, I might do something with them. Yeah, that would be, that'd be great. And that, that was kind of leading me to ask a question about the Vivian Mayer doc and how you got involved with that. Were you familiar with her work? And you said, I, I, I like, I like to get involved or. No, 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 no. Well, you know, with the Jim Marshall one, Amelia Davis is, the woman who Amelia uh, approached me and I told her, I met her at the Leica gallery and I told her how much Jim's work meant to me. So boom, I was involved with that. And I've got a great friendship with her and Alfred George Bailey who made the movie. Um, but the Vivian Mayer, I'm in Chicago watching PBS, PBS, the local PBS, not knowing the real big story, but seeing the photos and they're playing at like one of the library. It's not playing, but it's at one of the local libraries uh, in Chicago, the, the Harold Washington Library. And I go there to look at it and I'm like, my God. And so I contacted, I went to the website. I contacted John Maloof. I contacted John Maloof and uh, we had like lunch and he told me the story and I said, you should make this into a documentary. He said, I've been trying, you know, and I said, well, uh, how about I produce it for you and you don't have to pay me a thing, which is always a weird offer. Uh, and uh, just when we're done, give me some uh, prints. And he said, great. And so I teamed him up with another producer who ended up, Charlie Siskel, who ended up, it was so personal to Charlie Siskel because he grew up where she was a nanny. And so much of her videos and pictures she took were things that he knew and recognized. So they co-directed it and I just protected them. I hooked them up with, uh, uh, first we had a deal with Netflix, but at the time Netflix wasn't doing any theatrical releases. So I got them a deal with um, independent uh, uh, film, IFC, and um, they released it. And all I did was I'd give them notes, but I said, you do what you want, because we did have one. It was a disagreement. It wasn't an argument. It was a disagreement. And I still stick to what I thought. And I'll tell you what that is in a second. But um, uh, um, I, my job, because what I did for them is like when I learned what not to do as a photographer, sometimes from some photographers in the way I shoot people, I protected them the way I'd want to be protected on any project that I go on, because that's the job of a producer is producing something and letting somebody feel comfortable. I think mm -hmm. that's what I've learned to learn to do. Now, the thing that we argued about, it was one thing. And by the way, what's great about my 
position on that movie is that I can tell people the movie's great because I didn't make it. Like when I, like I'm proud, I'm really proud of my stand-up special. I'm going to be the last person to tell you it's great. You know, I'm hope it is. I hope people dig it, but, and I'm, and I'm happy with my work, but I think uh, Vivian Meyer is great. The only discussion we had, one of the young ladies that, uh, she became older, uh, women that uh, Vivian took care of seemed a little bit off. And, um, she was talking about physical abuse from Vivian, yet none of the other, every other child said emotional abuse. Do you know what mm-hmm. I mean? And the story that she told, I didn't believe it. I didn't believe it. And the filmmaker, thinking too much, uh, thought, no, I need to have something contradictory. And he was wrong because... I remember I was sitting next to Diane Keaton is a great friend of my ex-wife and Diane's done documentaries and she's wickedly smart and she's sitting next to me. And when that woman's telling her story, she leaned over to me and went, she's lying. You know that, right? And I went, oh, God. All right. There you go. But, you know, that was the only thing. Other than that, it was just protecting them, protecting them, uh, you know, with their vision. And uh, that included going with IFC instead of Netflix because they wanted to be in the theater, which they were right. Um, a lot of times I think bird in hand, yeah. but um, they got nominated for an Academy Award. They were more they were completely right. Yeah, that story took off. So it really was her story and, and you know, that incredible kind of, you know, I don't know, this, the discovery of the photos in the locker and then the images themselves that, that got you interested Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It was the it was the pictures themselves that really pulled me in. And then when you hear the story, you're like, "Are you kidding me?" Yeah, yeah interesting. Well, it's funny regarding the Jim Marshall thing because you know you're talking about loyalty and protection. That was one of the things that stuck stuck to me from that documentary was how loyal he was to his subjects and and a lot of the uh, you know the compromising almost images he could have shown of rockers back in the day without a doubt and by the way i would never show something to be titillating or like you know people but that's also why people are comfortable with me they know that nothing is coming out of that that's not going to be worthwhile for someone to see and have some depth yes we question that I have for you. Now, you talk a lot about photographers. You obviously understand photography. You understand what makes a good photograph, and you're aware of a lot of good photographers. Do you remember the first picture that made you stop and consider photography other than just snap shooting? I know I remember what made me take notice of photography. Well, Do you? I would say that there's a... Um, I'll tell you who's work. Alfred Eisenstadt is... is is someone that really profoundly affected me. I have one picture of his, but my wife owns it. We bought it. We were married. She got to keep it, which is cool. I'm all good. I can see it whenever I go over there. Um, but I would say the one that profoundly affected me, Johnny Cash, Folsom Prison, giving the finger. That emotional mm. moment was so real. Because by the way, and by the way, after I saw that picture, I gave the finger constantly whenever I was photographed. And especially if I didn't like the photographer. If I didn't like the photographer. Um, a lot of times I'll say to people, do you have a sense of humor? And they, yeah. So when I sign something, I go, 
fuck you. Go fuck yourself, Jeff Garland. Um, <laughs> but but that picture of Johnny Cash was so exciting to me, not in a uh, titillating way, but you see, to me, he's given the finger and I'm not feeling a big fuck you, but I'm feeling of emotion and I'm feeling like I'm Johnny Cash and I'm playing here at the prison and fuck you, you know, and that caught me. And so that's um, that was the one. That was the one. You know, you know the background to that picture. Why he did that? I've read it. I have the book, and I've read the story. But I remind me. J- Jim Marshall was taking, and he actually shouted out to him. He said, "How about one picture for the warden?" Okay, that's great. That was for the that's warden. That's great. And what a fun <laughs> thing to say to a subject. Like my favorite thing to say to kids when I shoot them, I'll shoot them. But when I have a group of kids, I go, kids, look at me like you hate my guts. Like you can't believe that I'm taking your picture. You're furious. Boom. I have so many great pictures of kids looking angry. I actually could do a book of it. I think we get boring after a while, but there will be a time where I'll show those. Um, but anything you can say to your subject <laughs> to give them imagination, to, to let them play. For example, I've been told many times by photographers, uh, can you smile more? Can we see your teeth? Uh, make a goofy face. What? May- by the way, the number of times that I've been told to make a silly or goofy face, I, I literally now, if you say it to me, I'll say, have a great day. I'll see you later. Um, but Back then, I, w- I didn't make the goofy face for sure. I just said, this is what I got, you know. But if you use imagination, like one for the warden, beautiful. I wanted to follow up a bit on Alan's thought was, is there a photo of yours or a moment of yours taking pictures when you said to yourself, you know what, this is, uh, I'm not too bad at this and, and I really enjoy it. And, and, and I'm, you know, I'm taking that step no, to being something real. Because that's too much thinking. Uh, <laughs> I, I, um, I, I either look at a picture and I dig it. And, and then there's the, that, that would be like a star. And then I jump to the four or five stars, whatever it is on Lightroom. If I think it's something someone else will dig in my house, I have pictures. I don't want to give too much away, but I have a lot of beautiful, original photographs. I have one picture um, hanging in my house. It's one from my show of the crew of the uh, Goldbergs. And they're, we're getting ready to start shooting. And in one of the camera lenses, you see Wendy McClendon Covey. Uh, and then another one, you see just basically a little bit of my head, but mostly my camera. And um, But the crew and the framing of it, I, every time I see it, I can't believe it. That sold more than any uh, outside of Larry David photos. That one sold more. And that's the only one that's hanging in my house. By the way, that shot that I told you about from the Goldbergs was taken with my brand new M10 and my 50 APO. And I was first using it and I shot uh, just to have fun, I used uh, JPEG black and white with my raw. So that after a day of shooting, I went home with the card and I kept all the JPEGs in black and white. Uh, a week or two later, I had a movie premiere for this movie I made called Handsome. And um, at the theater, I left my camera under the seat And I went back and it was gone after the movie was over. And I was heartbroken 
because I lost all these photos, including, I thought, that particular photo. And I was lucky that I took it off with my, you know, from the JPEG. So that's a JPEG black and white that I shot. Um, so yeah, it was stolen. And then Leica helped me get a discount on a new M10 which and a new lens, which was very kind of them. Nice. That's the only time, that's the only time I got a discount, but they were showing pity on me. <laughs> so I have a question for you. you. You mentioned that you were shooting with an M10, which is a color camera, but you were looking, you're previewing it in monochrome. Do you do that a lot? No, that was just me playing around with the camera. Uh, there was no, okay. so when I'm shooting, in general, I have, of course, I've used the preview in black and white and shot like with the Q, only black and white. I don't like doing that. I I look through it what it is. And even when I'm like, I don't, I'm in the moment. So when I'm holding up, obviously, an optical viewfinder, I'm seeing things in color, but I'm not thinking about it. When I'm holding up like a Q or my SL2, um, I'm not thinking about it. I'm only thinking about the moment and the framing. It's only later on where I go, oh, this stinks in color. Or, um, you know, I shoot it in black and white and I go, that one would have been better in color, you know. But in general, black and white rules the day for me. Won't argue on that. And you mentioned 35 is your go-to lens. Yes, I have a 50, a 75, and a 24, and I have the Q, so I have a 28. But the majority of time that I lift up the camera, a 35 is attached to it. Hmm. And do you think that corresponds to the kind of how you see? It is because you get used to it. It's a tool. And you and you know what the framing is yeah. on a 35, you know? Yeah. And do you decide at the beginning of the day, okay, today's going to be my 50 millimeter day and I'll just happen to do that? Or do you make any... any I decisions? don't bring equipment with me. I mean, lenses with me, uh, mm -hmm. which I think is just... You know, then it's a whole different adventure for it's a different way of doing photography. As far as I'm concerned, I know people have their pack. They have the different mm -hmm. things for me. I like interpreting it with the one lens. And so I'm just thinking about um, taking the picture. I'm not taking thinking about anything else. That's why like a, an M uh, and monochrome doesn't matter. It makes things simple. It just keeps things simple for me. Okay, Jeff, it's, uh, we've been recording over an hour right now. It just flew right by. Uh, we talked about a lot of different things. If people want to see more of your work, where can they go? Nowhere. They can, uh, <laughs> they can contact the Leica Gallery, and I'm sure they'll send you uh, photos that you can buy. Um, at some point, I'm going to be up at the Tamarkin Gallery in uh, Chicago. That's the next stop. And I know I'll be doing a New York stop, a Boston stop, I think a Miami stop. But First, we have to have the pandemic stop. Yeah, for sure. Well, when you hit New York, we're definitely going to uh, uh, pile Please in there do. and say hi and uh, create chaos Please for do. you. <laughs> oh, by the way, I'm on Instagram, Jeff Garland, and uh, I, uh, I hope it's uh, something that I curate that's remotely interesting. Um, and, um, oh, here, jeffgarland.com. I, I, um, I'm going to be having my work up there as well as people can buy not like uh, 
prints, like numbered prints like you'd get from Leica, but much less expensive. Not all my photos, but there'll be two or three that'll be available for people to buy. But that's down the road. That's not up yet. But jeffgarland.com is up, and uh, that is the first place to look for anything that concerns me. That and Instagram. Very good. By the way, I'm very proud of my Netflix special, Our Man in Chicago on Netflix. They publicize it for a week, and then it's just lives. It's there. So uh, if you don't know about it and you're and you dig me, don't be surprised. But just type in Jeff Garland; it'll pop up. I'm crazy proud of it, and the Goldbergs and uh, the Curb season that you can still watch, and hopefully more Goldbergs, more Curb. Um, I'm very blessed and happy. Great. Jeff, it's been absolutely terrific having you on here on the show. Uh, great talking with you and uh, love your attitude on taking pictures. Oh, I, thank you. I, get it. I appreciate that. Enjoy your good looks, fellas. Okay, the moment you've been waiting for after much anticipation. We are excited to announce the BH Photography Podcast Like a Photo Challenge. To thank our loyal listeners, maybe reach out to some new subscribers and inspire some safe creativity during these challenging times. We are excited to bring you this incredible photo contest in which one lucky listener is going to receive their very own Leica Q2 digital camera. If you're like us, which no doubt many of you are, you've already been taking pictures during the shutdown. And if you haven't been shooting, it's definitely not too late to start. I say this because for this contest, we're looking for pictures taken specifically during this time, pictures that reflect the challenges or perhaps a few slices of joy during this current pandemic-related shutdown. Whether you've spent this difficult time in the company of your loved ones or you've been separated from them, as many of us have, many of us have used our cameras to find solace and maybe a bit of understanding of the world we now live in. Judging will be based on subject matter, overall composition, creativity, and post-processing. You can include a caption to go along with your picture, or if you don't want to, you don't have to. Now, we are not encouraging, nor will we consider images taken in public places. Entry photos must be taken inside or near your home, indoors, backyards, front yards, all okay. Don't do anything silly. Don't do anything dangerous. Here's how the contest is going to work. Step one. If you haven't already, rate and subscribe to the B&H Photography Podcast on Apple Podcasts, iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, or your favorite podcast app. And if you're already subscribed, congrats, you're halfway there. Okay, step two. Now that you are subscribed, head on over to Twitter and follow at Leica Camera USA and post one, that's one photograph with the hashtag BH Photo Podcast Leica. That's it. The entry period is May 28th, 2020 through June 21st, 2020. And again, the grand prize is a Leica Q2 digital camera. I've shot with the Q2 fixed crazy sharp Sumalux 28mm spheric lens. It opens up to a fast f1.7 and it focuses down to a few inches from the front element. A 47 megapixel full frame CMOS sensor and it is an amazing, amazing camera. The judges will be Leica photographers. Craig Sametko, Ashley Stahl, and yours truly. Check the show notes for a link to everybody's bio and samples of their wonderful work. Good luck, Godspeed. My name is Alan Weitz, and as always, on behalf of John and Jason, thank you so much for tuning in today. <laughs>